0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Midlife AF. We are going to be talking about what it means to be coachable. I'm talking a little bit about my relationship with the word coach, relationship with the word counsellor, psychotherapist, and just why um what my offering is and how I work with people. Um, And also kind of the two-way deal side of it. What, What being coachable means to me. So over to me. If you're a woman in midlife whose intuition is telling you that giving booze the elbow might be the next right move, then Midlife AF is the podcast for you. Join counsellor, psychotherapist, this naked mind and grey area drinking alcohol coach Emma Gilmore for a weekly natter about parenting quirky teens, menopause, relationships and navigating this thing called midlife alcohol free. If you're feeling that life could be so much more that you're sick and tired of doing all the things for everyone else, if your intuition is waving her arms manically at you saying it could all be so much easier if we didn't have to keep drinking, Come with me. Together we'll find our groove without booze. I lovingly acknowledge the Boonarung people of the Kulon Nation as the custodians of Kurt Baroque. I share my admiration for the Aboriginal culture. I witness the connection that they have for each other and the land and their community. As I swim in the waters and walk on the land, I feel the power of this place. I'm grateful for the Aboriginal people's amazing custodianship, the power, beauty and the healing potential of this place. I wish to pay special respects to the elders of the Boonarong people. Their wisdom, guidance and support are exceptional and felt well beyond the Aboriginal community. I honour that this is Aboriginal land and that it has never been ceded. I am committed to listening to the Aboriginal community and learning how I can be an active ally in their journey to justice. Hello, everybody. (laughs) Sorry, croaky throat. Welcome to this week's episode of Midlife AF. And today we're going to talk about how to be coachable AF. And some of the warning signs and things to look out for in terms of your Attitude to working with, um, coaches, counselors, people who help you. Um, just to be aware of, I think, um, so you can get the best out of what you pay to get help with. Um, it's really interesting because I trained as a counselor and psychotherapist, which in my opinion, isn't that different to being a coach. Um, some of my colleagues differentiate the two very, very strongly. I personally don't. I personally use both skills in my work. Um, I guess probably one of the things from a coach, if I was going for pure counselling, it would be, um, completely client led Um, whereas in my work I think I do kind of create a structure within the sessions that I do with my clients both in group and in one-to-one but I use both skills and I learnt my coaching skills from this naked mind and I learned my counseling and psychotherapy skills from, I did a two-year postgrad, full-time degree after leaving my, uh, my job in corporate marketing. And, um, we did all sorts of different things as part of that. I trained in drugs and alcohol. I trained in grief. I trained in, you know, sort of like the foundations of, um, counselling psychotherapy, like and then um, stages of life, which is fascinating, things like attachment theory. So we did all these different modules. I think we did 13 modules altogether. That makes sense to me. Um, and they were all amazing, and they all helped me grow and learn. We did multicultural, um, gender diversity, just a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, and then I trained up to this naked mind to be a, this naked mind, um, eventually a senior alcohol coach. Um, and again, you know, there's so much, there's nothing new anywhere. There's n- everybody's just taking different things and packaging them up slightly differently you know um, I use a lot of parts work in my work I find that to be very helpful Um, obviously I'm training under Gabor Mate and he is a firm believer in you know if we are if a client and the counsellor coach therapist are not working together his Interpretation is that there's no wrong clients only there's no problem clients only problem therapists and but like I get to a certain extent I think I go along with that it it's very um, a lot of what I teach in my work and the work that I do with my clients we we. We come from a very, I guess, what you'd call feminine, I don't I know those words now, but feminine kind of approach to change and to being with. So, very, very different to the traditional kind of way of working with humans around change. Very much a. Rather than avoiding, see for for me, I like to describe it as the difference between love and fear um, and the difference between abundance and scarcity and the two different approaches and all the research that I um, have studied and learned in my years of gathering information and paying to do courses to help me better improve my... Service. The service that I give to my clients is I've lost. My train of thought. Sorry, guys. Um. Trying to Sorry, my brain's a bit um not very clear at the moment. As uh, as I know, I talk to you guys a lot about um. Trying to think where I was going with this, but, you know, to me, there's some very sort of strengths-based counseling, transpersonal counseling, all kinds of, there's so many different types of everything and nobody, nobody has anything new. What we do as individual coaches is we take the pieces of, um, psychology, learning training that we have found useful for us in our own journeys. And for me, it's been the journey with alcohol, and then a journey from uh, moving from corporate life and having a bit of a, a burnout and breakdown, and rebuilding myself or remembering the human that I I was when I came into this world, and that's kind of what we talk about a lot of the time with my in my work is that it's not about fixing, it's not about mending, we're not broken. It's about remembering. It's about remembering the human that we were put on this earth to be and helping to develop that original human and support that original human as they learn how to do this thing called life in a way that hasn't been shown to us by society and by the people that we surround ourselves with. And so often, you know, people come into our car and I'll always say, it's never about the booze. It's never about the booze. The booze is a sticking sticking plaster. It's a coping mechanism for a life that we haven't learned how to manage yet, right? So and I talk about this a lot and I'm sure I've talked about this before, but as small children, when we're not picked up and comforted the way that we would be had we been born into a more collective society or a society, um, you know, of the nomadic tribe or herd people, um, you know, where certainly in Indigenous societies, a lot of the feedback came back from the, I guess, was it conquerors or uh, invaders was, you know, these indigenous people, they don't smack their children and they constantly, the children are never sort of put down and, you know, we'll change all that when we come in and take over their countries. Um, But it's a very puritanical, a very sort of Western way of, you know, we, not spare the rod and spoil the child kind of thing, but what happens then is that we as humans don't learn how to comfort ourselves in our distress. We do not understand that our pain will go and it will pass, and nobody ever demonstrates that for us. So we think that when pain comes, it's a reverse; it's never going to end, and we're just going to be left to be in it forever. And a lot of what I teach and the work that I do is, 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 is understanding that that's not the case and that as human beings, we are naturally nurturers. But what we need to do is take that nurturing now and instead of making ourselves wrong, instead of saying, we don't know how to do this, we're bad, we couldn't do this, da, 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 da. And instead of looking for quick fixes to help us get through, difficult times which those have their place and instead of worrying about the fear of tomorrow and how we might feel in the morning it's about making the decision in the moment making the decision in the moment to choose us making the decision in the moment not to go to the thing not to keep cleaning not to push on through making the decision that we, we get to matter and, and understanding that if we are experiencing a craving or a trigger and we are feeling that we don't yet know how to manage that without drinking, that that's okay, but being willing to do the work to understand what's underneath that, what's causing that distress rather than just looking for things to fix it when it's happening. Um, And so my work is never gonna be about, if you stop drinking, you're gonna be fit and jump up and down and have so much energy because that just isn't most people's story in midlife. It wasn't mine. And in fact, I would say I probably had more energy and I was more productive when I was drinking. And I know people don't want to hear that because everyone sees drinking as a reason. The reason to stop drinking is to be more productive, to be thinner, to, I don't know what. But there are all these negative kind of things that come from a place of lack. And it's never a way to achieve our goals. It's coming from a place of lack. You know, the universe doesn't understand, I want to be more. You know, I don't want to be, it doesn't understand knots. It doesn't want to understand, it doesn't want to, it doesn't understand. uh, It doesn't understand negatives. It understands where we want to go to because how it's going to make us feel. And instead of focusing on the goals of, like, you know, we think that creating an alcohol life is all about adding in practices. And, yeah, those have their place, 100%. Learning how to be with yourself in distress, doing breath work, doing grounding, which is what I do with my clients every session. Learning how to ease into and be in a, you know, almost like a DJ mixing desk so that we can sort of move in and out of feelings and big emotions without letting them take us over and sweep us away. These are these are the tools and this is what it's about because people don't drink for no reason and it's nothing to do with weakness. It's nothing to do with lack of self-control, it's to do with learning how, we don't we don't know how to do something yet. We don't know how to have a scary, big emotion, be it happy, excited, frightened, grieving, sad, guilt, shame. We don't know how to have those emotions and we don't know how to have our own backs yet and we don't even know that we don't <laughs> Um, and that's what this work is all about so for me I would say if you're coming to want to work with somebody on your alcohol and you think that the alcohol is something that's in isolation if you fix that everything else will be okay I would say to you come and do the alcohol experiment and then if you can do 30 days doing self paced alcohol experiment with me um the not live one the self paced one and once you've got those 30 days under your belt so you've got that kind of like you've broken the back of the sort of certainly the physical and beginning the emotional addiction And then you can start working on the reasons why you drank. And, you know, one of the hardest things for people to do is to say no and to not show up to things. And because of the meaning that we give to that. So, for example, if we don't attend something, we give a meaning to that. It's totally made up. But we give a meaning, so if we are not there at all the, you know, if we don't go travelling around Australia or internationally over Christmas and January to get our full money's worth of our Grand vacances in Australia, so the summer holidays in Australia, we're like, oh, if we don't do that, we're not really having a good summer, we're not really having this, that, and the other. And it's all about what other people's perception is of what good is. Because a lot of the time, particularly with perfect perfectionism, it's about other people's, under, it's other people what other people will make of it. But most humans that I know really, really, really struggle with being away a lot over January. Number one, they're exhausted from Christmas. Number two, it's very fractious to be traveling with the family, especially if like many of my humans are, we're we're quite sensitive, you know, we get sensory overload and, you know, we're expected to perform and be on all the time when we're away. And, you know, often we're staying with other people, even worse, right? Or we've got other people staying with us. And often I've got clients who are like, I cannot not drink over this period because I've got you know all of these obligations and it's just so hard and then my question would be if the obligations that you have in December and January are such that you can't not drink because of the amount of discomfort your nervous system is having because you're having to, you know, perform in front of other people, constantly wear a mask, never get any time on your own, constantly, you know, you're constantly offering to do things to help the rest of the group out without looking at what you actually need for yourself. This is a time to consider that what you're doing in December and January isn't working for you, and that your kids would have a better experience of their holiday if they were able to be with a regulated parent, you know? I mean, for years we went camping. And don't get me wrong, I enjoyed camping. But the arguments that me and my husband used to have on the way there and on the way back, because he would get very angry with me. Um, and he was also, there seemed to be this sort of competitive backup up thing between the men who would all travel together. And in the end, once I stopped drinking, I started getting really over like, all this shouting and aggression, pressure and stress, and just kind of like constantly being blamed for things. So I just was like, I'm not doing this anymore. This sucks. Like, I hate this. (laughs) And don't get me wrong, I love camping. But it's that other stuff. I'm not prepared to do that anymore. Because the way it sets my nervous system up is not for me to be feeling nice about myself or feeling well about So it's a boundary for me. I won't do it again until that, that doesn't happen anymore. You know, and there's other things. It's like, you know, I talk to people um and they might be saying well you know I'm really dysregulated just give uh, and what do I do when I'm really dysregulated I said look of course I can show you things we can do we can talk about grounding which we do every session we could talk about interceptive awareness you know you know things that you can do where you sort of really scrunch up your fist for 30 seconds and then to open it for 30 seconds and really sort of like focus on the feeling and sensation of the webbing between your fingers. There's so many different tools and tactics like this that you can do. And what they do is they bring your head into, your brain cannot be looking and sensing what's happening in your hand at the same time as it's having a fight or flight response. And similar with grounding, you know, the way we do the grounding, and I've got a new grounding resource for you guys, which will be in the notes from this from this body and it's you know really about how do we work with our parts how do we work with the younger parts of us how do we have compassion for ourselves how do we stop thinking that we're going into battle with alcohol and how do we start being kind to the parts of us who don't know another way to cope yet Um, and it's also you know learning to identify how we're feeling and also if we're not feeling anything if we're really disassociated that's totally fine too Neurodivergent people find that stuff really hard. I do. I'm constantly working on it. It's constantly a work in progress. And there's all different ways to do these things. But if you are not willing to look at what's going on, what the reason why you are dysregulated and you're not willing to go there and you're not willing to get into that, because that's the type of coaching and counseling I do it's very tra- it's trauma informed it's about safety it's you know either you work with me in group um and we we talk about this a lot and we do a lot of practical work together on it or you work with me on a one-to-one basis and what we do is we get into what's going on what's the meaning that we're making about the experience that we're having that's putting us into fight or flight what are we telling ourselves about it? Where do we feel it in our body? If we can't feel it in our body, what does that? What's that like? And then we and and then we go back to where we think the source of that um, that emotional response, that reaction, that trigger is. But we never come to it from a place of battle or dismissing or ignoring or numbing or controlling. And I think that's something that's really important to know. If if people are working with me, we, we go deep. Because as I said, it's never about the booze. And everything we do, we do for a reason. A very good reason. Our bodies are very, very clever things. They've kept us safe for a long time. But now is the time where we need to turn to the adults and be willing to look at what's happening but also to comfort ourselves in our distress to instead of pushing ourselves dismissing ourselves doing all those things that our parents and teachers taught us to do but instead of doing that we say i get that you're frightened little one this is new we've not done this before i get you're feeling overwhelmed overwhelmed means you don't think you can handle something do you have a belief that you can't manage it so we're going to build up the skills so that you start to realize that you can manage it and that actually it's going to stop and it's your it's okay to be afraid of it it's okay to find it overwhelming it's okay to not enjoy it I sat with my son today while we did exactly this you know he's saying I don't want to be feeling like this I hate it it's awful it makes me and it was like well What you're hating, what's awful is the judgment that you're putting on yourself about what you're feeling. What you're feeling in and of itself is a feeling. There's a lot of things that might be causing you to feel that feeling. And so we spend a lot of time working on presence and being present with ourselves, taking the meaning out, looking at the meaning, and discharging, because the the way to peace is through the discomfort and that takes a very specific type of coach counselor and that's why I specifically went and trained under Gabriel Mate this year because I want to be able to hold people and I know that we're all little children walking around and I'm no different I'm a little child I'm learning myself too I'm learning who I am and I'm so excited about that It's such an exciting journey But in order to be coachable, we need to be be open to looking at what's happening and be willing to make the changes required to change, to, 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 to make our environment different, to have our own back, to choose ourselves, above everybody else because and I say this all the time we are the golden goose we cannot look after everybody else if we're not looking after ourselves and the way that we as women have been taught to be and this is often the reason that you know, we're so scared of you know upsetting people being different standing up we're like oh we're going to lose our friends or we're going to lose you know the people that we care about we're going to lose their respect it's all outwardly focused but the real thing is that we're losing our respect for ourselves and we're losing our love I mean that's what broke my heart that's one of the main reasons I started doing this along with all the other reasons like most other people you know lose weight be more productive Show my children a better way, feel prouder about myself, don't but it was really the biggest one was just to stop beating myself up every day to stop being such an asshole to myself, start having a relationship with myself. And often, you know, this is me, I'm here for the long game and I'm also here for the feminine, the open, the abundant way of working. And I'm in for the leaning in and I'm, I know that I'm going to have clients who are going to butt up against me. And I'm not going to chuck them out. I'm not going to chuck them out of the group. Now I might have boundaries. There might be things that, you know, there might be times when, you know, we have to come to agreement to, to part ways and to come back together in, you know, late, at a later date. But if somebody is having a big reaction to me, or to what I am working with them on. There's usually a very good reason for that. Um, And often they're right on the edge of the next big step, which is going to make all the difference in their world. And so one of the things just to say for you guys, if you start feeling defensive, if you feel like you're just looking for the top 10 tips, you don't want to go deep, you don't want to... You're trying to blame everybody else around you. You're trying to blame your environment. And blame is such an easy way for the brain to try and get us to do the thing we don't want to do. Desperately wants to blame other people because then it kind of like releases oh, I'm not responsible so it doesn't matter if I drink or if I do whatever it is in. I'm trying not to do. But, yeah, I mean, look, I have been on. Un- difficult to coach sometimes myself. I think it's part, you know, we all we all go through phases. But for me, the work I do is for people who really want to, whether it's about drinking or about anything. But people work with me, tend to work with me for quite a long time. And that's not just around booze. Because what we do is once the booze is gone or once it's almost gone, if that's your intention it's about building this sense of self it's building this nurturing loving human that is going to be able to hold herself in her distress so that she can demonstrate to her you know loved ones as well that that's how we do life and that you know none of us are ever bad Um, we're all doing our best. And you know, it really is true that changing your relationship with alcohol, the tools to do that are the 100 percent the opposite of the tools that you think they are. They're not about being an asshole to yourself, it's not about battling the wine witch, it's not about hunkering down, it's not about thinking about tomorrow, it's about being in the moment, it's about about choosing you every single time over numbing over controlling it's about staying with that little part of you that's saying to you i'm so distressed i don't think i can handle this i'm overwhelmed and saying it's okay my darling i really get that and i see you i validate you and we're going to do this take my hands we're doing this together we're learning together so I hope that makes sense. I hope you get a bit of an understanding of what my coaching methodology and counseling and therapy methodology is. It is different, um, but I am there a lot for my clients as well. So in the Be the Lighthouse, you know, we have a Marco Polo group and we talk all the time. Um, my one-to-one clients this is the same. And so I, I do charge a bit more than um, other people might, but that's because I'm not just coaching people once a week and, um, and I do go really deep. I, I offer the amount of, you know, learning and, and experience that I've had um, working with some of the really great coaches, therapists and counselors um, that are around. And, um, yeah, so if you're interested in working with me, do reach out. I'd love to work with you um, whenever the time is right. I. I'm mainly focusing on one-to-one work at the moment. I am thinking at the moment I'm still going to do a Great Aussie Apple Experiment in March. Um, But I am reassessing my business a lot because I do have, as many of you know, two neurodivergent teenagers who are struggling a little bit and I want to make sure that I am able to be there for them. Um, So watch this space, but if you do want to hop on a daily live coach, Aussie alcohol Experiment, I uh, I highly recommend that you sign up to the waitlist list um, because this may be the last time I run it this year. Um, I haven't, haven't made up my mind about that yet, but yeah. And also, if you want to work one-to-one with me, I've just got two ways of doing that. You can either do the 30-day alcohol Experiment with me alongside on a daily basis in Marco Polo, um or you can do my three-month coaching program which is where we start with the pause and learning all the reasons why we drink and then we go and do the 30 days and then we plan for the next part of your alcohol-free life or six months or three months or whatever you want it to be all right my darlings you take care have a beautiful week and i'll see you soon bye Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Midlife AF with Emma Gilmore. If you enjoyed it, please share on Instagram for your friends and tag me at Hope Rising Coaching. If you want to help me grow the podcast, please review the episodes for me on Apple Podcasts. That really helps. If you would like to work further with me, please go to my website www.hoprisingcoaching.com for my free and paid programs or email me at emma at coachingcom Sending a massive cuddle to you and yours from me and mine. And remember to keep choosing you.